Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left is Phil Davidson. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Ken. Phil is with the Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council and um, conspicuously absent this morning is Ed Maher. Tardy slip. Yeah, he's got a late slip. Yeah. Um, I think he's stuck in traffic or... Or maybe got up late. I don't know. Uh, he'll be he'll be in for the next segment. We'll say he got up late. Fair enough. Not a lot of traffic on Sunday mornings. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ed. Or construction, even. Oh, yeah, it's probably yeah. construction. Yeah. Right, right, right. So we have a really, really cool show uh, for you today. We have uh, Al Lorenz. He is the president of the Illinois Education Association. Is that what it is? That's what it is, yeah. And, and your wife works there. She does, yeah. And she's, she's what, a communications director? She is the immediate relations director. So okay. she handles all the press uh, requests that come in. With, with When it's involving teachers, there's a lot of that. And this is a an enormous union. Big. I mean, 100, I want to say 100 over, I mean, we'll ask him, but when he, when he gets, you know, when he gets on the air, but I think it's like 130 plus thousand members. That's correct. I believe it's the largest union in the state. Is that right? Yeah. I, I think I think that is right. And then... Yeah. You know, nationally, they're part of the, what is it called? National the, Education Association. And they have a million plus. Yeah. You know, so this is, it's, it's, it's nothing to, nothing to sneeze at, if you will. No. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to talking with him. Um, real quick, we uh, are one week away from the Super Bowl. Yep. Now we know who's in it. We do. Any predictions? Do you care? Are you buying this conspiracy that this is all a PSYOP? Operation to get Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey on. I mean, there's a lot of rumors swirling around right now. I heard you can actually bet how many times that they're going to show Taylor Swift in, in the skybox or whatever. Oh, yeah. If she even shows up. You could probably bet on what colored gum she's chewing. Yeah, you that's right. You could probably. bet on anything in the Super Bowl. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, who's going to win? Uh, I'm going to go with the Niners. Okay. I'm yeah. going to go with the Chiefs. All right. Um, but we have to take a quick break, and then we're going to come uh, right back with Al Lorenz. Uh, you're listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken. Sitting here today with me, as usual, is Phil and Ed. What's going on, guys? What's happening? Everything's good. And we are honored today to have the president of the Illinois Education Association, Al Lorenz. Welcome, Al. Hey, welcome to you. Yeah, thanks Thanks for coming down. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being here, me. Al. Yeah, yeah we're, we're psyched. So, quick, quick, uh, quick overview. Uh, tell us about the IEA. Yeah, the IEA. We are 137,000 members statewide. That's strong. That's yeah. big. We have teachers. We have higher ed teachers. We have uh, aspiring educators that want to get into the profession. We have those teaching K-12. We have pre-K. And um, we have education support professionals. That's paraprofessionals, lunchroom workers, uh, bus drivers, et cetera. And um, so you said you're 137,000 members. Yes. And, and it's in... Like different bargaining units is my understanding, right? So uh, a suburban uh, school district will be its own unit, or is it each school is its own unit? Um, our locals are each school district, yes. Each school district, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And it covers the entire state from Chicago all the way down to Carbondale, right? Yep. All the way down to Carbondale, East St. Louis, et cetera, out Elgin, beyond. 
out there, Crystal Lake. And, and just so the, the listeners understand, because we don't talk about teachers. I mean, we talk about teachers, but we've never actually had somebody from the teachers on. Although, right. did, didn't we have somebody from IEA at some point? Uh, last year. I think yeah. last year. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a bit. So the IEA is uh, the Illinois Education Association, right? And that's part of the National. National Education Association. And how many members in the National? I want to say 2.9 million. Okay. 2.9 million in just one international. Right. I call it international. Because there's another teachers union. And there's the other one, right, which is the Illinois Federation of Teachers, and their umbrella organization is the American Federation of Teachers, correct? correct. How many of them are there? I don't know. I don't know. Less. Less. I believe that the NEA has more. But it's still like a million plus, if if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you're talking about three or four million teachers that are organized or, you know, education uh, people that are organized in the United States, right? Yes. And here in Illinois, you know, we're lucky, knock on wood, because we actually have a a state labor relations act that covers what you guys do for a living, correct? Absolutely. And we're in the 40th 40th anniversary of the Illinois... uh, Educational Labor Relations Act. That, say, uh, that, say that three times fast. <laughs> yeah, no way. Don't ask me to do that again. Uh, that's part of the reason we wanted to bring bring Alan. Obviously, we're big fans of teachers on the show. And, um, yeah, the, the legislation was signed in, oh, man, i got to do this math now, 1983 went into effect in 84. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell us a little about it. I, I, I know um, I've seen a documentary about it, and I know uh, that law was signed by um, – Governor Thompson, um, Republican, uh, which you don't always see siding with unionists, um, sure. s- you know, especially uh, in a state like ours. But um, there's some great history behind that. And uh, Al, you were involved with it, so tell us a little bit more about you know how that came to be and what the struggle was like prior to the labor relations checks getting signed. And um, you know, just give us some of that that history, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of my mentors, uh, Reg Weaver was IA president at the time, and uh, and this came about in several, as he explained it, chunks. It didn't become the comprehensive bill that it eventually wound up being in 83. Uh, Reg Weaver worked with Jim Thompson. And the fact of the matter is, IEA wanted education candidates. We did not want D's or R's if they weren't on our issues. Right. And so that's what we did. We, we kind of organized the education candidates that we supported. And um, it was actually an issue where there were a number of strikes around. At the time, I believe I was seeing there were about 25 strikes a year. And over that decade before we got the Illinois Educational Labor <laughs> Relations Act, there were 200 or so. Wow. And, and so it, it actually decreased once this happened, because I, I think that districts were imposing and um, imposing contracts without good faith bargaining. And the fact of the matter is, teachers were being fired for not accepting contracts that they didn't agree to. And there was no law to back them up, right? Because they're not part, you know, for those of you listening, we talk about the National Labor Relations Act, and it's been around since 1935. And, you know, although I think it's, we all think it's pretty weak. Um, and toothless, uh, at least there's some modicum of protection in the public sector. You know, you're on your own 
um, you, we here in Illinois, as you just said, have had that labor relations uh, act since 1984. Same with the Public Labor Relations Act as well for non for public employees of non education. Right. But prior to that, exactly what you just said, Al, and I think this is important. Teachers were still willing to strike, mm-hmm. yeah, right? It was the Wild West with with no protections whatsoever. And as you just said, and I think this is important that after the passage of the act, you saw the strikes go down. And what does that do? Labor stability, labor peace, right? A parent can go and send their kids to school and know that that teacher's going to be working that day because they have a good contract and because there's some stability, right? Labor peace. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it, it was rough and rowdy back then, too, right? I saw people, were, yeah. teachers people were getting arrested. in jail. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, for, because strikes were illegal. Right. And so you had that going on. And, and I look at it like this, right? People are due respect, regardless of, of what they do. They need to be valued. And they need to be supported in a way where, all right, I'm not checking the box saying we met with you to bargain. I value the bargain, and I'm collaborating with you in the process. Well, and that that sounds good, and I think maybe that was the case. But tell us, like, let's just fast forward to today. Mm-hmm. I mean, over the past, I don't know, decade, teachers have gotten bashed, right? Educators have gotten bashed. Look at these... Uh, Teachers yeah. making a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, you know, and they got the summers off, and you know, how, how they work seven to three or whatever the case may be, right? And it seems like there was this kind of push towards. Yeah, we lost our way a little bit. I think that's right. Yeah, Down, downgrade. And I think you were saying this earlier, Al. Um, how many job openings are there in your bargaining units right oh, now? There's uh, about over a little bit over seven thousand. You know, and before the pandemic, it was like two thousand. So it's like sixteen. It was two thousand. Now it's seven thousand. So 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 it's tripled plus. And you're talking about five or six percent shortage. Mm -hmm. And and why? Why do you think that is? I think it's a combination of factors. Um, It's the bashing that that you were mentioning. It's also how can we pay a competitive wage with, with with other jobs when the wage is so low? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're working up to the point where uh, $40,000 a year will be the minimum. And we, we and the governor signed a bill a couple of years ago, and there was a ramp because there were so many folks that were, like, down in the 20s right. to get to 40000 Wow. And um, if I turn around and say to you, uh, hey, here's an education, uh, an electrical engineer over here, and this guy's going to start way more than you'll ever see. You know, and you say, oh, but do this out of the kindness of your heart. And and yeah. many of us as educators do this because, you know, it's a calling in a way. But it's not something that we have to sign a vow of poverty to be a part of, nor should we have to. No. no. And, and, yeah. and, and not to mention all the work you bring home as a teacher. It's not like that's right. like, oh, yeah, you clock out at 3 o'clock, they, my day is done. You're always working. Yeah. Or I don't think I know a teacher that doesn't dip into their own pockets to buy um, you know, supplies for the classroom, or if there's a kid who doesn't have you know, stuff and maybe can't afford it from home. Teachers always you know, spend their own money yep. to, to make sure that kids have the best opportunity in the classroom. Yeah, and, and, and Al brought up the paraprofessionals. And yeah, cert- certainly in certain districts, um, teachers, if it's a district that has a high property tax base, they make a decent salary, sure. right? But yeah. I, I know hearing stories that you know these paraprofessionals, some of them are making basically minimum wage, right? And they're doing hard work and people don't, you know, when people, someone wants to bash a teacher, it's like this poor guy or gal is making no money and he's got, or she's got one of the toughest jobs what's out a, there. What's a paraprofessional? Explain that. 
Um, Al can probably give you a little more detail, but they're they're the teacher's aides, essentially, right? Uh, right. Yeah. A bunch of different classifications. They have a lot of job classifications, but they're bus drivers, they're lunchroom workers, they're buildings and grounds folks, and, and they're teacher aides, paraprofessionals in Got the it. classroom. Okay. In order to become a teacher in the state of Illinois, do you have to get a certificate? Do you have to have a certain amount of education? Yeah. What is that? I have a bachelor's degree. Okay. And then on top of it, do you have to get, you need a teacher's certificate? In that bachelor's, or if you've got a bachelor's in blank, you can go to school and continue your education and get that certificate? You could get it later, but you will need it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you have to have a certain modicum of education yes. in order to walk in the door and teach, right? Correct. That's just like for us in the building trades is, is, you know, I analogize that to our guys have to go through apprentice and have a certain amount of skill levels and classes and hours, et cetera, in order to become that journeyman if you will correct yeah and then there's step increases as well right if you have yes. a master's in education you've get uh, you jump lanes you jump and lanes go up and, steps as, as yeah. you um, you know matriculate through the profession so how many contracts do you do you guys have to negotiate Al? uh at the state level we don't negotiate the direct happens in let's say the local the local sets up like a, a bargaining team we assist i gotcha okay yeah so how many uh, then let me back up how many contracts are there uh how, around the state in your in in iea how many contracts are you oh, okay over, so, overseeing if you will um we're overseeing at a distance because mm-hmm. the local handles it yep. you know yep. at the table i'd say between 950 and 970 wow it's wow. <laughs> a lot, yeah. Have Have you noticed a change? And obviously, obviously, every area is different uh, when it comes to school districts. But have some of them made life more difficult post COVID? Um, and it's seeming kind of riding this wave of anti anti educator sentiment. Um, like, what What have you noticed over the last say four to five years versus years prior? Um, actually, I think that we're valued more. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Because uh, during COVID, folks did see teachers play a very important role. And if we have to step in as parents and assume the teacher role, no, we really don't want to do that. (laughs) No. You guys should be here to do that. (laughs) That's so scary to think about. That makes sense. Um, So you think that, uh, I mean, you you tell me, do you think the tide is turning in terms of uh, people's views towards teachers? I mean, because, you know, we had the same thing with police, right? Police, uh, you know. It's, uh, to this day, I think it still exists, bashing the cops, right? Which, you know, obviously we at the Workers' Mic are uh, completely pro-police and as, as we are pro-educator. Uh, but do you think that's turning at all? Um, I think it is. I think it is. And and by and large, when we've polled folks, what we've found is um, the schools that are around their area, they respect the most. Okay. The ones that they don't know anything about, sure. they wonder what they're about. <laughs> right. So, you know, proximity does pay. And I, they must know these people, right? Because they come from the same community. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this, um, and I'm going to pivot for a quick second. This entire notion of um, government getting involved in the schools and telling teachers what they can and can't teach. Do you guys bargain that? Is that something that's an issue at the bargaining table? Has it affected your union? Can you talk about that a little bit? Wow. Now that's a subject right there. You know, it depends on which state you're in and how politicized that particular school board happens to be. Yep. Uh, To me, 
and I'm just going to go to Florida for a second. Yeah. For sure. But when you start banning books yeah. and not wanting people to know history, right. that's a problem. It reminds me of Fahrenheit 451. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Bradbury, you know, he put that out there. And, you know, you have to have an educated populace to have an educated populace. Yeah, you do. And, uh, by the way, Mr. Bradbury is from Waukegan. That's right, Waukegan. You know that? I didn't know that. Now you know. There's an interesting fact. It's a fun fact that will not annoy you. And just this week, Florida, I saw dropped uh, from all their universities, they dropped sociology from the core uh, education system. Are you joking me? Yeah. Yeah. I was a sociology major. Really? Well, it was the easiest one. Yeah, but it's important, Ken. Yeah. It is important. Look where it well, got it's me. Not, apparently, it's not important to uh, the state of Florida or no. at least to Governor Ron DeSantis. Well, I do think uh, – so, look, you hit the nail on the head, and I'm glad that you said exactly what you just said. When you start banning books mm-hmm. and, and dumbing down the, the country, that, to be blunt with you, is already has a pretty short attention span, right? Uh, yeah. We get our news from TikTok in 30-second bites now. Newspapers, you know, if you've read the – papers lately or read the I don't know, whatever i guess read the papers is probably a misnomer but if you've paid attention to the news you're watching these you know newspapers get decimated again again by the yeah. way this is already this is round two or three yeah. and so there's going to be a no newspaper country at some point and how do you get your news from social media and what social media it's bent on your misinformation uh, yeah absolutely it's a yeah. confirmation bias and i'm going to listen to that and so you, you you know i'm really glad that you made that point and i think if I'm not mistaken, that teachers' unions, right, have a, have a dog in this fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. You said it was a calling. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have to make sure that that doesn't happen. And when I say yeah. we, I mean we the collective, but, you know, you guys are on the front lines, right? Yeah. So um, my wife, by the way, is a retired librarian. Okay. So she's always saying, cite the source, cite the source, cite the source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and over and over again, she says to me, you know, they, they kind of decimated the ranks of librarians and yeah. decided yeah. we don't need you anymore because we got Google. That's right. But nobody is curating all of that stuff for those kids. Yeah. So some of that stuff uh, has to happen, and professionals need to be the ones that lead it. And And you're talking about bargaining, right? Um, certain districts are influenced heavily by certain types of school boards, but by and large, um, autonomy, educational autonomy has to be in the school. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. We we need more books, not less in the United States of America. I think that's right. We we are backsliding. We're less competitive against other countries when it comes to our educational standards. So let's get more books. But if you go like, let's just, and we got to stop for a second. But, and you know, uh, if you just join us, we're we're talking to Al Lorenzo, president of the Illinois Education uh, Association here in Illinois, a giant mega union that's got 137,000 members uh, and growing and, uh, you know, doing really, really important work. Um, but, you know, going back to what you just said for a second, you know, there is it's not like this comes out of nowhere. It's not like Ron DeSantis just decided that he's going to ban books. This is all coming from uh, the right wing uh, DeVos and uh, what's the Heritage Foundation right. and all those, you know, because they want to make us <clears throat> excuse me. They want to make us stupid. Right, well, I hate to say it, but they won uneducated populace. Some truth to that. Well, yeah. so so much of the anti-union or anti-teacher rhetoric in the state of Illinois has come through the Illinois Policy Institute, right? And um, I know of a couple of reporters who tried to dig into the finances of that organization, and it's very shadowy. There's only so much you can find, but what they were able to find was things that came from like donors trust uh, groups, like the Heritage Foundation. Sure. So yep. it's it's billionaires funding Elon. a mouthpiece 
to say that the economic woes of the country are because of all those greedy teachers. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> consider where the message might be coming from, and uh, maybe it makes it a lot more invalid like this case. We will be right back uh, with more of the Workers' Mike and more with uh, Al Lorenz, uh, uh, president of the IEA, uh, right after this break, right here on the Workers' Mike 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic, right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I'm Ken. Sitting here with me is Ed, Phil, and uh, we're, we're lucky to have kept uh, Al. I know you're busy, but um, thank you so much for sticking around. I want to go backwards, Al, for a second. We didn't really get into your background. And I think it's important that people understand, you know, you said earlier that uh, teaching was a, a calling, if you will, right? And, and people that are, feel passionate about it. You obviously didn't just wind up as president of the IEA. Yeah, well, my mother was a paraprofessional in the Chicago Teachers Union. Okay. You know, for many, many years. And um, I used to see her going to conventions and I'd get sad and I'd say, hey, mom, why are you going away for a week? And now... I'm the one doing it. And so um, I, I uh, started off at the University of Illinois in math education. Okay. Uh, I'm one of the first in my family to go to college. Yep. And um, I taught fourth grade phonics down in Champaign as a senior. What does that mean? Um, I was, I got a job in the Champaign school district. No, what does fourth grade phonics mean? Phonics uh, is phonics. Maybe after the show you could teach phonics. Yeah, you could teach kids some phonics. Uh. You might get hooked on phonics. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So what you're saying is I'm stupid. No, no. no. Okay. It's like what is it? It's decoding. Yeah. And how do you say something? And Syntax. Okay. All right. Phonics. Phonemes and things of that nature. It's been a while. I you, thought it has to do with vinyl, like records. Yeah, oh, you're from New York. It's a what, different what education system yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> right. You're from New York. It's called none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I started with that, and and then I was um, a teacher's aide uh, in in a middle school. What uh, year? What year was this? Seventy three, seventy four. Gotcha. Yeah. And from there, um, once I graduated, I, I, I taught an alternative school in Kankakee. All okay. Right? Then I came up here and I taught for a year uh, in a Catholic school. Wow. And then I got a job at Thorn Ridge High School and I stayed there for 33 years. Wow. Oh, Holy wow. Cow. Yeah. And did you retire from there? Uh, I'm not retired. Okay, so you're still technically a teacher. Yes. You guys I'm have... leave. Okay, okay, you know, that's interesting, right? So yeah. that's, that's unique to your world and I think we have in the city of Chicago contracts as well. You get a union leave, yeah. right? And you get your salary from the... How does it work again? Uh, my salary is paid by the IEA. Yeah. Okay. So you get leave, and if you ever decided to leave the IEA, you go back to teaching. You go back to teaching. As long as my certificate was current, yes. Yeah. And do you keep it current? Uh, I don't at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's kind of too much to do I'm with, with all you. of this. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I do miss the classroom. Do you really? I kinda, Yeah. I kind of look at it like this. In this position... I just have older kids that I deal with. <laughs> you mean the teachers? <laughs> my classroom is a lot bigger. Yeah, right. my, my classroom's a lot bigger. That's a good one. I like I, I'm that. I'm also talking about legislators. In the <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay, true. Yeah, they're part yeah. of it. They're, they're part of the people. People on the other side of the table. Yeah. This, well, this, but from, from the general our, public. Yeah. yeah. Our perspective, there is no other side of the table in this respect. We teach everyone. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And, and, and so you, what, where you came on staff with the IEA when? Yeah, I, I left the classroom in 2011. Okay. Right? Okay. 
uh, and this is my 50th year in education. Wow. Um, Congratulations. I, well, yeah. Thank you. Milestone. I, uh, thanks. I, I spent uh, six years as IEA Secretary Treasurer. Then I was elected as IEA Vice President. I spent six years there. And now I am the president and have been since July 15th. Of this, of this year. year? Of this year, yes. And what, do you guys have terms? Yes, we have three-year terms. Um, and, and, and how do... How do max you, of two. You can run for two. Two three-year terms. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and how do you guys vote? Like, is it the uh, the bargaining units themselves vote? Is it a weighted vote? Is it just per member? How does, how does your vote per work? member at our representative assembly. That's our state convention. Delegates are sent from locals, and, and the state also has some delegates. Uh, and it's a vote there. Yeah. And that's typically between six and 800 folks at our convention. Wow. Okay. You like the job? I love it. Do you really? Yeah. Because, you know... Did you like, already have gray hair when you started I it? I did. Okay. I have more now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Just asking. Yeah, not not a problem. It's... Um, I earned these gray hairs, man. You yeah, know, you did. Uh, yeah. every little thing that you you come upon, every kid that you help, every situation that you grieve for for them, yeah, it, it gives you gray hair. I, I remember um, I used to coach girls track, right? Uh, I was a head track coach for a number of years out there, and there was a young lady, um, and I won't give you too much information because I didn't ask her if I could mention her, but she was um, she she transferred here from Virginia, right? And, and got into my college algebra retreat class. And we started talking, and she said, hey, I want to come out for track. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And I said, what do you do? She said, I throw shot and disc. And uh, I said, oh, that's nice. And so how far have you thrown it? And she said, oh, I think I've thrown 44 feet for, for the shot and maybe a uh, hundred for the disc and i'm thinking it's pretty good she doesn't know what she's talking about she probably just made up some numbers right but then i found out later she had gone to the state finals a couple times in virginia and she knew exactly what she was yeah. talking about <laughs> so oh as things went on uh she would come in and i'm i'm teaching college algebra right wanting everybody to pay close attention because some of the stuff is very difficult i'd look over there and her head would be down and after class, I would say, hey, you know, if you're going to come off a track, you have to pass my class. <laughs> right. You're really going to have to pass my class first. And uh, she said, no, I heard everything you said. She said, I just didn't get any sleep last night. I said, really, you heard everything I said. I, tell me, what did I say? And verbatim, she told me what I said. And she was actually sleeping. And so it turns out that um, there were kids, babies in the house where she was staying with her grandmother. Her right. father had left. Right. And um, she turned out to be a state finalist, you know, every year that I had her. Well, and then she went on and set 22 collegiate records at wow. Southern Illinois University. Wow. wow. And so then she went um, to Olympian. Uh, yes. Yeah. She, she she missed the Olympics by one place. She was an alternate. She Ooh. didn't get there, but she was ranked ninth in the world in in the discus. Wow. And she could throw the shot with either hand. I've never seen anybody else like that. Ambidextrous. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. That, so, means, that means both hands. I yep. could barely throw it with one hand. I learned hand. that in phonics. <laughs> so she was at the World Championships in Beijing, and, and she wrote me, and she said, she sent me a picture of her throwing the shot mm -hmm. in Beijing, and she said, I just wanted you to know, Mr. Lorenz, that you're the reason that I made it here. You listened to me. You helped me. And thank you so much 
for helping and influencing my life. That's awesome. That's and a great so, story. So when you when you have those kind of things happen, for sure. yeah. it just impacts you in so many ways on so many levels. Yeah, that's that's got to make you feel good, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the that's the work of the working class, right? That's what, you know, we I hear this from union leaders all the time, like, hey, somebody called and said thank you. Or, yeah. you know, Ed, you know, make a good point. Somebody got up at a union meeting and said, you know, hey, but for this, uh, that the union provided me, I wouldn't be able to take care of my family, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's so, why we do so, it. so there's, you know, there's, there's definitely some parallels in, in that. And, yeah. And so, you, you know, you, you were talking about, uh, you know, this world event, and, and off the air we were chatting about, um, I don't know what you call it, but like a, a congress or something that you went to. Can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, actually, I was a delegate for North America twice to the World Congress of Teachers. Okay, what is and, that? Education International. World Congress is um, delegations have to be state so if the Philippines has a state education association, they send delegates. Got it. Okay. So, so it's like the UN for teachers? That's exactly what it okay. is. That, that's exactly and what it is. And you went to it? I went to it in Berlin in '05, and I went to it in Cape Town, South Africa in 2011. Okay. And, and so one of the things that I found out, that there's commonality amongst working class people around the world. You know, um, I, I would think so. Yeah. And one guy was talking, and he was giving a speech, and he said, Hey, all we really want as trade unionists is to have some dignity and respect as we go through the cycle of life. Right. Amen. And, and, and asking for fair wages is one of the ways that we are shown that we are respected and we can live with dignity. Yeah. You know, and so the union provides collective power and collective action. Absolutely. It amplifies voice. And when you get a chance to advocate for those things, and I was born in Chicago here um, in Inglewood on 61st Street. And. I, I saw a, a lot of impoverished uh, families and, and kids that I ran into in, in school. And you, you want to be able to help people pull themselves out of poverty. Absolutely. So if I'm here and I can advocate, uh, hey, let's have this this internship, this uh, apprenticeship. Let's rehab some of these houses. And the governor had me uh, on the Poverty Elimination Commission. And one of the recommendations that I made was, Let's rehab these houses in these blighted areas and get guys into the union. They learn a trade, rehab, and then they stay in the union afterwards because they've learned. Sure. Yeah, we bring a lot in through Higher 360 and other programs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you would actually take that from the from the standpoint of an educator and say, hey, student, there are these avenues available. You know, we've been talking about this for the past year, basically, trying to get ourselves and I know a lot of the unions are doing it, carpenters are doing it, operators are doing it, I know the building trades are doing it, pushing people into the high schools and saying, hey, you don't have to go to college. Here's another path towards the middle class that can get you out of poverty if, if that's where you're coming from. And you can come, you know, earn while you learn. Be, yeah. a, be a carpenter, be an electrician, be an operator, it be a laborer. seems like it's picking right? up a little bit again. For yeah, a while, we were... Right. Uh, but you know what we don't do enough of, yeah. Alan? I'll tell you this, and I think this is this is important. Maybe this is... You know, I'm, I'm learning something as you're talking we don't have enough synergy between the education unions and the building trades unions, right? Yeah. We're building trades. We knock stuff down and we build it, right? We love doing that. Yeah. Right. But the, here's the education union that actually has these kids that we want I could to steer you know, them to, in our direction. Yeah. And maybe we should start having some, some conversations about it. I know that they sit on the same boards at like the Chicago Federation of Labor and yeah. the state board and stuff like that. And I know that there are, are some tight bonds there, but I think maybe if we did a better job of integrating, you know, those two worlds together, because yeah. there is a Venn diagram that the kids that don't want to go to college, 
hey, well, you don't want to go to the house? Exactly what you just said. Rehab that house, learn that trade, and voila, yeah. you're in the building trades. Yeah. And you're making more here's, than a teacher. Here's a great career. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. You know, uh, bring it all back uh, home. <laughs> one of the things that happened along the way here, historically, was no child left behind. Mm-hmm. And there was a you know an over-reliance on test scores. But what we were advocating for, even when that was the mantra, no child left behind, multiple career paths. Right. And so we absolutely have to do a better job of going back to the way it used to be. Yeah. Because when No Child Left Behind became like the order of the day, wood shops were closing, other things like that. That's right. And some of those kids needed wood shops to to compel them to come to school. Absolutely. So we do need to do a better job of reintegrating these. Yeah. I I, I didn't realize that No Child Left Behind had so much to do with that. Yeah. Was that because there was so much more of an emphasis on the test scores? Absolutely. The areas that were tested, you know, that's where schools concentrated. Right. That makes sense to me. So I I agree with you. I think, you know, the shop classes and, you know, I remember in in my high school, there were... we had a car. People yeah. came and worked on the car. That right. was the reason that some kids physically came to school because they loved that particular class. Yeah. You know, and I think that and I'm going to go back to what you said for a second. My son is in college and, and he's about to finish uh, out in Philadelphia. And he told me the story about one of his teachers and he got an A, you know, and you know, he's a pretty good student. Um, but he really liked that teacher. And if you have, you know, just one of those teachers in your career as a student, it can change your life and change your trajectory right and say exactly what you just described al like but for you you know i wouldn't be here and i you know i can point to a couple of teachers i've got a few of those yeah i think we all do and it's it's imperative to find those teachers and quite frankly it's imperative that those teachers want to come teach yeah because you just talked about seven (laughs) thousand empty jobs because people don't want to come teach because those jobs have gotten denigrated and pounded now you got school boards telling us what we can teach and can't teach and what books we can read yeah you know but we're fighting the school boards uh and you guys guys did a we're gonna end with this but you guys did a pretty darn good job yeah uh, part of their responsibility with the union is destroying moms for liberty yeah yeah they're very civic-minded they get active in school board elections and uh you had a very successful uh, success rate, I believe, in your elections last school board season? Yeah, so we had a 90% success rate. Wow. And uh, actually, that was probably the leading one for the affiliates in NEA around the country. In fact, it was. The Congrats. One. Good for you. But, you know, we recognize right off the bat that the dark money yep. um, from the Illinois Policy Institute and outside sources that we couldn't track mm-hmm. were trying to play in school board races. And so we got involved because people that live in the area should be able to run for school board. Absolutely. It shouldn't be somebody you don't know that just shows up on the ballot. And so when you look at the censoring and all the kind of stuff that they're playing in, Moms for Liberty, which I guess was started by the Proud Boys. I think that's what I've heard. Sounds that, right. right. Yeah. That, that's what I've heard. I don't know, but I'll go with it. There's definitely some synergies there. That's for sure. Moms who don't want their kids at home during the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Proud Moms. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think you, you made a point earlier when we were talking off air that um, is it that folks, certain folks in certain areas, don't want an educated population? Do they just want somebody that they can have at work that they're, they're just plebes, they're just yeah, drones? that they, they can manipulate. do the job. They don't question. They just take it. And so I, I think that what we want is an educated populace. And so um, to that point, let's talk about what's important in life is respect. What's important in life is the ability to attain and achieve. 
but you really got to believe that you can do it. Right. So if you're not a thinking person, you might not even believe that you have a chance of improving your, your plight in life. And I think everybody does. And I just think it takes the right teachers and early, you know, get involved early and good parenting, to be blunt with you, yeah. to, to make that happen. And I, I agree with you. I think that's a, a And well-paid point. teachers. And well-paid teachers. Why not? Right. They, they, deserve, they deserve every penny that they get. Yes. You know, but I think going back, going back to what you just said. I believe the answer is yes. I believe there is a certain part of this population, and I think it's you know the one percent of one percent that wants a dumbed down workforce and populace. Yeah. And you know, you said something interesting. We talk about here on on the workers' mic this this dark money and these uh, right wing think tanks and whatnot, and how they got themselves into the judiciary, right? And you know, like they got the Supreme Court, you know, and now it's, you know, they're in they're in everything. And now all of a sudden they're on school board, you know, local school board elections. Right. I mean, think how deep they're digging into the society, uh, the fabric of, of the American society when they're getting involved in local school board races. There yeah. must be millions of them throughout the country, but they got the money. Right. Yeah. That's what I think they can make the most impact. Yeah, so are, we, so are they we, going to be motivated to help that girl who's got her head on her desk because she right. didn't get any sleep last night? Well, they look at oh, that's a, that, that's, thirty students and like, see hey, there's, there's my future Walmart worker. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I think that's a, the special thing about teachers that I always think of when I see people post newspaper articles saying, "Look at these teachers; they're making fifty thousand dollars a year, and they deserve more." Yeah, yeah. Which is like, by the way, that's like twenty bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. That's nothing. So anyway. We, with that happy mm-hmm. uh, ending, yeah. <laughs> we, we will wrap this up. Um, Al, uh, we we appreciate. Can I call you Al? Is that all right? Absolutely. Thank you. That's uh, what everyone calls me, Mr. Al. Do people call you Pre- Mr. Lorenz? President. No, they, President. They, they call me Al. President. Yeah. Uh, His um, honor. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation. Um, and uh, one, one last time, if people want to get involved in your union, give them the phone number. One eight hundred two five two eight zero seven six. Thank you so much. We will be right back with more of the Workers Mike right here on seven twenty WGN. You're listening to the Workers Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers Mike right here on seven twenty WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I'm Ken. Sitting here uh, with me is Phil. Um, Ed had to skedaddle, but listen, that was. Uh, Really fascinating. I, I could listen to Al talk all day. He has Al's a, a sharp guy. Really, really sharp. Um, you know, not great, great I guess, union leader. And and you know, for me, because I come from the building trades, uh, I don't have a lot of experience in that world. But really fascinating to hear what he has to say and yeah. the, the difference between a building trade, I guess, union and a teachers' union, and some of the stuff that they go through. Right. I mean, it's yeah. it is certainly. I don't think I'd want to be them. Uh, it's got to be tough, right? Yeah, we but, talked about just how tough it is for teachers right now in this day and age of how they're not how mistreated they are and how just within the last it seems like five to ten years the tide has turned and all of a sudden people are like questioning teachers and being more antagonistic towards them, which is like, what are we talking about? These are they're, they're considering all the work that they do, they're underpaid. Oh, so why are, that's for sure. Why are we attacking teachers? It makes no sense. And I mean, they have your kids for eight hours a day. Yeah. But, you know, somehow they're indoctrinating them, right. you know, uh, against, uh, you know, Disney or, or for Disney. I don't even, I'm not even sure. I can't I can't keep up. Um, it's asinine. But, you know, we, we talked about uh, the paraprofessionals. Yeah, and, I know. And unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about this, but there was just something that came out this week about Crystal Lake. 
Um, Crystal Lake is a suburb of Chicago. Correct. In uh, McHenry County. Uh, affluent suburb. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So the paraprofessionals at that school district, which are part of uh, the IEA, and the paraprofessionals are the people who work um, as teachers' aides in the classrooms. They can also be the bus drivers, basically the staff who are uh, non-educators right. at the school district. They just filed a, uh, a ULP, an unfair labor practice, against the district because the district hired in contractors to perform the work of the paraprofessionals. And it's it's a fascinating story. It was in the Tribune. I, I recommend everyone read it. But basically, um, the paraprofessionals make about like sixteen to eighteen dollars an hour. Right. And a lot of them have to work with some you know high risk children, some sure. um, some children who have emotional disabilities, and uh, they're making nothing. And, and one woman in the article talks about how her son, who works at Best Buy makes more than she does and, and you can imagine what she has to go through on a daily basis and then they brought and then the district brought in the staffing company and they were paying people when you also factor in the fee that goes to the staffing and she like like 65 an hour or something like triple the pay i mean it just it well sh- then what's yeah. the point what was the point of bringing in a staffing agency to take the work of these paraprofessionals they were saying that because there's a shortage ah. now the shortage is because they don't pay these people any money like who in their right mind so how's the how's the, <laughs> exactly. com- the staffing company getting getting uh, workers i guess maybe they're paying more yeah, i don't know more yeah well, funny how that works exactly so it's uh, and you know nothing against best buy workers right no. i'm sure it's got to be a you know a tough job as well right but it certainly it, it doesn't compare to being in the classroom and taking care of special needs children and dealing with all the 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 bells and whistles that come with the education world, which yes. we just you know heard about, and so they filed an unfair labor practice charge. Correct, basically saying, "Hey, you're getting rid of us." Right. And how's right. that, by the way? How's that good for the taxpayers? Well, that, funny you bring that up. So, what was really eye opening in the story is that um, this school district operates on like 300, almost a full year of cash in reserves. Okay. Most school districts have like up to six months, like 180 days. Right. They have a full year. So right. they're sitting on a mountain of cash. Because it's Crystal Lake. Right. It's yeah. Crystal Lake. I yeah. mean, high property value. So you'd think they would use some of that money to pay these paraprofessionals. And then it also is like, so wait, why are they raising property taxes if I'm living in Crystal Lake? It's like, you're taxing me, but you're saving this money and you're not putting it towards your employees. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So that's really what it really seems like it comes down to. You know, they say that they're going to start issuing more raises for their professional staff. Hope it comes through. But yeah, this is I, the stuff I, that yeah. you know that you need unions around to to support you. You and, absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, and you know, I, I I wish them well and I wish the union well. Anyway, no. listen. So uh, we got we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I want to thank Al Lorenz for coming in and talking with us. It was really fascinating. Uh, I could certainly listen to that guy talk all day long. Yeah, that, um, that was great. And uh, we will be back on Super Bowl Sunday uh, right here on the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.